0: Colossians 1 verses 15 uh, to 23. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the body of uh, the church, he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you've heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Let me pray. Father God, we pray that the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth might be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was uh, younger, I really loved the basketballer, Michael Jordan. Uh, I really wanted to be like him. Uh, I actually, in my bedroom, my brother bought me for Christmas one year a door-length poster of Michael Jordan flying through the sky about to do a slam dunk. Um, Now, what was unusual about this is... um, I never played basketball, I played rugby league and soccer for most of my teen years. But uh, here I was wanting to be like a basketballer, even though I couldn't jump, I couldn't shoot, uh, I couldn't do many of the things that Michael Jordan can do. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there was even a song about wanting to be like Mike. I won't sing it to you because of my voice, but it goes, Mike... I want to be like Mike. And right at the end, of course, you find out it's an ad, and Michael Jordan drinks some Gatorade. And look, I I found myself drinking Gatorade and buying Nike shoes, all in an attempt to be like this hero. But ultimately, it turned out that, well, I could never become like Mike uh, in so many ways. But in the end, I didn't want to become like Mike. As his kind of stories uh, moved on in his life, I found out he he was a massive gambler. He was maybe a womanizer. His family broke down. He was a difficult teammate. Um, He he was so passionate about winning. Winning almost came at all costs. And he was kind of this disappointing image of someone that I was aiming to be like. Well, when we come to the story of the Bible, we find out, Uh, a very core part of our purpose and calling in human beings is to be an, an image or a representative of God here on earth. You know, when the Bible begins, it begins with these few words. It says, In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the deep. So we have this picture here of a formless, a watery void wasteland, a deep abyss. And then God steps into this picture and, and things burst to life. So he creates three canvases of sky, earth, and sea. And then he fills these different canvases uh, with beautiful life, uh, beautiful plants, animals. And uh, he blesses the creation that he's made and he calls it good then we find out that above all this creation, he creates humanity. So in Genesis 1:26 and 27, it says this. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So, here we get a beautiful picture of the dignity and vocation or purpose of human beings. The first one is this beautiful picture of the dignity that God gives all human beings. To be made in the image or likeness of God was taken from this Hebrew word called selim. And selim was actually the word often used to describe an idol statue. And how this would often work in the ancient Near East is once a temple was built, a a statue of the God was put there to be God's representative. Uh, in, In the ancient Near East, kings actually saw themselves as this image of God. On earth. So they would put statues of themselves around their kingdom to, to make sure everybody knew who was in charge. So here you have the Bible saying you know that, that that statue in the temple is not the image of God. Uh, the king is not an image of God and you, the rest of you, are just his minions. <laughs> There's a beautiful democratisation of the concept where every human being that's ever been born finds out they have this amazing God-given dignity from God. We're given this stamp of our preciousness because we're made in the image of God. That means that you are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You are precious to God and have a purpose. That means the street sweeper on the streets of Beijing the, the farmer in Uganda, the mother fleeing trouble in Afghanistan. They all have this tremendous preciousness that's given by God himself. You know, this idea of, of the image, someone described it like this, Tom Wright, I think it was, that it's like we're on a 45-degree mirror and we're meant to reflect to all of creation the loving rule and care and concern for all on earth, God's entrusted us with that role. And then our role is to reflect back and sum up the praise of all a creation to our God. This is a huge part of our role as human beings. For some incredible reason, God rules this, 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 this galaxy and he's chosen to do it in partnership with human beings. And we see this kind of vocation or role or purpose of human beings continued in Genesis chapter 2, where it says in verse 15 that the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Uh, we were given these two kind of roles to work the land and take care of it. Now, this idea of working the land was taking the raw materials that God had given us. And tilling it and cultivating it and taking the raw things of creation somewhere. It points to human beings' roles as creative culture makers, cooperating with God to take His creation somewhere. It's this beautiful image of partnering with God in caring for His world. And that's the second, that concept of taking care of God's creation that we're entrusted to be the stewards of everything that he's made. So the blessing of the animals that's talked about earlier in Genesis 1 sits under this responsibility that we have to take care of God's world. So we build cultures and take care of the world, ruling as uh, under rulers with God himself. It's a beautiful picture of the human purpose of life, our vocation and role. Um, the, the Old Testament writers used to kind of describe it. Um, it the, what God wants to do with us is create this beautiful picture of shalom. Uh, an Old Testament scholar called Nicholas Wolterstorff says this about shalom. He says, shalom in the first place incorporates right harmonious relationships to God and delight in his service. Secondly, shalom incorporates right, harmonious relationships to other human beings and delight in human community. Thirdly, shalom incorporates right and harmonious relationships to nature and delight in our physical surroundings. Shalom comes when we bodily creatures, not disembodied souls, shape our world with our labor and find fulfillment in doing and delight in the results. This is the purpose God gave human beings. Now we could go on forever about this, but this, this idea of God created us to, for relationship with him, to walk in intimacy with him, and then to love and care for one another and care for the world he's given us sums up so much of what he's put us on earth here for. But when you read the story of the Bible, you find out that that's not the way things are. Like we have echoes of this experience or hints of it, but it often seems like the world is broken. Like we taste the brokenness in our sense of alienation and separation from God. We taste it in our human relationships, whether it's brokenness within our own family or it's international conflict. Uh, we see it in creation where we to use biblical language that creation is groaning under the weight of bearing with us as unjust rulers. See, the world is broken. And the Bible describes this brokenness with this really diverse and clever vocabulary. Some would say it's old fashioned, but it's profound. The Bible uses three words to describe this dilemma commonly talks about the idea of sin, iniquity, and transgression. Behind this idea of of sin, one of its very first uses is someone's firing a slingshot and they just miss. It's kind of missing your mark that that God had created us in his image, but we missed missed that. We missed the purpose for which we were made. Um, The second idea is iniquity, and that's the idea, its root idea is crookedness. So we were meant to be kind of straight and, and to keep on the path. In in that path would be flourishing, but we've wandered away from that path. We've wandered away from the very vocation that God has called us to. And, and the final word he uses is transgression. And the truth is you can't transgress uh, against someone in the Old Testament. You can only transgress with them because... To transgress is from this Hebrew word, pasha, which means to betray a relationship that you already have. So often it's translated as rebel, or because it, it talks about you have this relationship and you turn your back on that relationship and you break trust. This idea of missing the mark, of going crooked, of, of, uh, of betraying relationships all puts this picture together of this, this beautiful vocation we had as image bearers has become fractured and broken, like a broken mirror. And it's true for every human being. So a, a really insightful writer called Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote this. He said, The line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. This line shifts inside us, it oscillates with the years. And even with the hearts overwhelmed by evil, one small bridgehead of good is retained. So this is this is paradox, a deep paradox about human beings. We're, we're made in the image of God, full of all this potential, and there are traces remain of it. But on the other hand, we're deeply fractured and broken and not the way that it was meant to be. It's like, it's like God has given us this superpower as image bearers. And you know the old superhero movies where you find out this, this superhero has these incredible powers, but then they go rogue and they use all those powers that were intended for good are then used for destruction and evil. Well, that's a picture of where humanity is. God has given us so much, but he hasn't taken away the influence and the power. We use it and we break and mar the world that he's made. The ones who suffer the most as a result, according to scripture, is often the poor and the most vulnerable. So the Bible talks about this quartet of the vulnerable, and that's the poor, the widow, the orphan and the foreigner or the refugee. So often when the scriptures talk about the justice of God, it quickly then moves on to those who've received the least justice in this world, those that are genuinely vulnerable. So we we feel or see most the brokenness of the world where the world is most vulnerable. So for example, we we know COVID has been terrible for us. It's broken broken down our communities in many ways. Uh, We know the mental health um, impacts, the economic impacts. We're going to be living these out for years to come, aren't we? It's been a really difficult time. And uh, we know the effects on those in the poorest parts of the world are even compounded more significantly. So a few little things like... In, in Malawi, um, schools were closed down, so kids couldn't go to school. Uh, mums and dads couldn't afford to, to look after their children, so they started to marry their, their daughters off as children. So in the last two years, child marriage has been on a steep increase. Or just one other example we know in Nepal, where infant mortality right, right, uh, rates have been really improving, um, Well, this year, young mums have been afraid to go to hospitals. So it's meant more mums have died at home in the process of giving birth than for many years before that. See, the vulnerable uh, experience the brokenness of the world in compounded and difficult ways. Now, the story of the Bible is interesting because God never gives up on his original plan. Uh, He never gives up on his special relationship with human beings. Uh, And and the hope of the scripture is that God will give people, he will renew our vocation, he will renew our purpose in his renewed creation. And this is what every biblical book from Genesis on is talking about. See, the, the Bible from Genesis 12 on initiates this amazing rescue plan that begins with uh, one man, Abraham, um, and, and chooses him to, to grow him into a nation to be a blessing to the world. His descendants uh, become a nation, uh, the nation of Israel, and they're given this extraordinary calling, "'You will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and holy nations.'" These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So, so God chose a people to begin this, this plan of redemption and rescue and bringing us back into relationship with God. But as you read the story of the scripture, you'll find out even Israel, like the first humans in Genesis 1 to 11, they fail again. They have priests, but the priests play play casual with holy things. They have kings who go, to, who go corrupt. They have prophets who speak their own words motivated by money. They have temples that are desecrated. But it creates this deep tension in the biblical story and longing for someone at last to come and be the faithful one, to be the image bearer. And now you read that, in the stories, of course, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus steps onto the stage of the human history. And that's what this passage in Colossians kind of summarizes in an epic way, that that Jesus steps in to be the humans that we could never be, to be the image that we long for and not disappoint. So, Colossians began the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The Son is the image that we never were. The Son is the image who never failed. If we want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus Christ because He is the, invisible, the, the image of the invisible God. But then it goes on to talk about how the Son is the, the epic. Uh, creator of all that is for in him jesus all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together see The Son reveals the face of the Father. If we want to know what God's like, we look at Jesus. But then we find out that it's part of this epic story. He's part of the creation of all that is, all that is in the galaxy, the heavens and the earth, and all that are part of them. Not only does he create them, he sustains them. Everything is made for him and through him. He holds all things together. Then it talks about how... He, he's not just interested in saving individuals, but whole peoples. He, he starts this community of new creation in verse 18. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and firstborn from among the dead, so that everything, he might have the supremacy. And then it goes on to say, having spoken of uh, Jesus' role in all of creation, how in uh, starting the church... He then talks about his role in reconciliation. For, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, the story of the cross, incredibly, it's, it's about human beings. But it's bigger than human beings. The cross and the work of the Son on the cross is a story of reconciliation of all those elements of shalom that have been broken. Uh, Humans and God will be reconciled. Human to human will be reconciled. Human to creation. God is doing something huge in the gospel and through Jesus' death on the cross. We are part of a really big story. And in that sense, this story is bigger than one individual itself. It's about God's purpose for his whole creation. But the beautiful thing is, as he tells us this story, this huge picture of what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he does, he says we can be involved. In fact, he says we can individually be forgiven. He says in verse 21, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical death uh, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. See, we all are part of the problem of marring God's beautiful world. In some ways we've all failed to live up to that vocation just like Michael Jordan <laughs> But the beautiful story of the gospel is that as God renews creation, as he reconciles all things through Jesus, he gives us an opportunity to be put right with himself through what Jesus has done on the cross. He can make us holy, set apart for his purpose. He can wash us clean from any blemish. See, through faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we can be put back inside this story and God begins to renew us to that original vocation. So he says things like this in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we are all with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with with increasing glory, which comes from the Spirit, which comes from the Lord who is Spirit. In other words, when we we turn back to Christ in trust and faith, God begins to restore us and rebuild us again in God's image to play the role we were always meant to play. You know, in Ephesians 2 8 and 10, it says, This for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God restores us to this sense of vocation, of reflecting uh, the wisdom of God to all of creation, walking with him, walking with one another, walking with creation. Well, what does this look like? Well, It looks like many things, and in some ways our whole life is about working out what it means to walk this story in the place that God has put us, wherever that might be. But one little uh, vision of this for us happened in Cambodia. Uk Meng was a 77-year-old villager from Cambodia in one of the areas that was a stronghold for the Khmer Rouge. Um... So in 2020, he hosted a team of Australian Baptist churches to come and visit his village where one of our projects had been going on. So he welcomed this team of of Baptist pastors, and he was incredibly generous with the things that he'd had. He'd laid out fruit that he'd grown, uh, this great kind of um, clump of bananas, he'd grown these super huge cabbages. And Everything that was his was theirs on that day. Uh, Ukmen had become a village leader, uh, someone who was playing a key role in learning new agricultural techniques and teaching them to his village and lifting the standard of life in that village. But it hadn't always been that way. Like I said, Ukmen came from a region where the Khmer Rouge were active. And he was threatened with his life um, that if he didn't join the Khmer Rouge, they would kill him and kill his family. So he joined the Khmer Rouge and he was part of that movement uh, which occurred between in the 70s where between 1.5 to 2 million people of a population of 5 million people were killed. And he sort of, as he, as he told this story of his involvement in those years, he became full of remorse and, and shame. And as he did, he lifted these old hands, and these old hands, you know, they're now used for cultivation and life. But he talked about how these hands had been used for violence and destruction. Then he went to talk about how one day some Christians came into his village. They were were our Cambodian partners. So Cambodians who loved Jesus, who loved the king, and who loved his kingdom. And they came into uh, Ukmen's village and just began to teach agricultural techniques. Uh, how, to, how to use the diversity of crops so you get more yields in a year so you can get to go to market. Um, how to do soil improvement. And what happens, he began to implement them and things began to turn for his village. Not only did he enough to have enough to eat for himself, but also his family and and then it got to the point where once a month he now holds a celebration in his village, and he just provides food for everyone. And uh, as as the pastor sat and heard Ukumeng's story and the difference that had happened for him in their village, one of the pastors uh, offered to finish the day just by by praying. So he 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 asked everyone to bow in prayer, and they had a translator, and they begin to pray, and. He, He prayed and he said his amen, expecting everything to be finished. And then he he heard this old Cambodian voice pipe up. And he opened his eyes and there was Ukemen with his hands lifted in prayer. And he was giving thanks to God, but he was also praying a prayer of blessing to the team that had come and shared so generously with him. These old hands that were used for violence when are being used for blessing. See, that's what the story of redemption does. That's what Jesus does for a life when he touches us. He takes something that's broken, renews it, and starts to use it for good. This morning, I just wanted to encourage you to step into God's purpose for your life. I'd encourage you to have this picture of your vocation where you're precious. You're made for so much by God. But I'd also like to acknowledge your, your brokenness, that things haven't gone right, that you're not all that God created you to be. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you and can restore you. And as you turn back to him, he'll begin to remake you. He'll, he'll create in you the very thing that you are always meant to be and to do. And then I, get, I encourage you to get on with the work of being part of redemption, walking with our missionary God in his world. Amen. Let me pray. Father God, I give you thanks for who you are and your grand purposes, that indeed we have a purpose in life. Indeed we have a God who can renew and restore and remake us. God, we we just confess our need for you, that we're part of the problem, but you step in in Jesus and change everything. Help us to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen.